The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. A moment of sanity in a sea of madness. Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk Radio TNT. And a very warm welcome to the Katie Hopkins Show here on TNT Radio on Thursday the 30th, where I am back in the driving seat coming up in the show. Elon Musk today being a complete genius and totally channeling how I feel about the world. Uh, We're talking about the reversal of the smoking ban in New Zealand. Warwick University in the UK goes fully vegan because they're metal. And not forgetting my top three out of the UK, including madness in the jungle. If you're from the tribe, you'll know what to do. If you're new here, I may be in the driving seat, but you are the engine for this show. Do join the conversation at tntradio.live or here are the numbers that you need to call. Stay with Katie Hopkins and speak your mind. And we'll listen. From the U.S. and Canada, call 1-888-201-6425. From the U.K., call 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, call 1-800-670-310. Free speech is alive and well on today's News Talk TNT Radio. We are back together, my darlings, and warm welcome, warm welcome, warm welcome uh, to this, the Katie Hopkins Show. I am back in the UK after a month on the road in America, and it is good to be back, although it is also blooming dark and blooming cold and blooming chilly, and I'm not uh, too excited about that compared to the Florida weather, but it is good to be back. I want to start off the show today. We have breaking news, um, the death of Kissinger. And um, I just wanted to talk about that briefly. Uh, So Henry Kissinger, uh, the BBC go for divisive diplomat, divisive, (laughs) even after death. You know, that has to be the headline they go with. Henry Kissinger, uh, renowned for um, being a practitioner of realism in foreign relations, awarded the Nobel Peace Prize and roundly condemned as a war criminal. So just in terms of, you know, sometimes or many days or maybe every day these days, you feel like we live in mad times. Well, for a gentleman who just died aged 100, he too lived through mad times. And if you're able on a sort of similar parallel path to have the Nobel Prize for peacemaking and be labelled a war criminal, you'll see that through the eons and through the generations, things haven't really changed that much at all. So back in the day when I was studying at university, uh, we did a lot on Henry Kissinger as part of American politics and economics. Uh, US National Security Advisor and Secretary of State, he pursued the policy of détente, which thawed relations with the Soviet Union and China. China. I actually personally love him. What I love more than Henry Kissinger, love him, bless his heart, is the word détente. And uh, you'll know if you know me. Good morning, tribe. Good morning. Someone saying Kissinger was a disgusting man. Okay. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Boreda. Boreda. Good people. Guess how long Katie lasts before this is a competition here from a Welsh person. Ah, this might be because of yesterday. (laughs) So I need the Welsh person, um, hold on, Jones from Wales. I need your full um, 
I need your full name, please. Because yesterday we were working on the basis that Welsh people aren't that inventive when it comes to names. And that's why they call themselves David Davidson or whatever. Tommy Tommyson. Uh, so for today's competition, this is on Tribe. Guess how long Katie lasts before she mentions Tommy Robinson or Israel? Winner gets all expenses paid trip to Gaza. So let's bear in mind, I haven't been on my TNT show for a month. Yesterday was my first day back and I mentioned Tommy because he was a uh, trending news topic for oh, about three days solid. But sure, whatever your biases are, do put them on to Tribe at tntradio.live. Um, yes, quite sad. Apparently he had he had several goes at conforming. I can't listen to someone supporting that disgusting man. Okay, fine. So you tune out uh, because you can't listen to someone uh, that uh, has opposing views to you. No problem at all. So Henry Kissinger uh, pursued détente. Most importantly to me, uh, détente is comes from the Latin. So it's the feminine past participle of the Latin détendre, which means a loosening or a slackening, <laughs> something I can relate to <laughs> as a 50-year-old menopausal woman. No, that's probably not what we should be talking about right now. Uh, Détendita is the feminine past participle in the Latin. And in French, uh, détente uh, comes from, uh, so it's known as loosening or slackening, which was this idea of him loosening the tensions between Russia and China, right? But détente, interesting fact, is the catch on a crossbow that releases the string. So if you're firing a crossbow and you release the string that then releases the bolt, that in French parlance is a détente. And so that's where the uh, word stem comes from for détente, which of which Henry Kissinger was a practitioner. Uh, for all those who are hugely critical of him, he was accused of, at the very least, tacit support for the bloody coup that overturned a leftist government in Chile and of turning a blind eye to the Argentinian military's dirty war against its own people. So those for um, who are anti-Kissinger, that might be some of the reason why. On, on hearing that Kissinger had been awarded the Nobel Prize, the comedian Tommy Lehrer famously declared that political satire is obsolete. So that is the death of Kissinger. Now, I want to move on to something. I'm supposed to be doing my top three out of the UK, but I woke up this morning, saw the Elon Musk clip, re-fell in love with Elon Musk all over again. And so we're going to be listening to it now. You may have heard it at the top of the hour during the news. I don't care. You're going to hear it again. You may also be aware that during my absence from TNT Radio, I was restored to Twitter. Thank you very much by Elon Musk personally. Thank you very much, Mr. Musk. And to all the glorious conservatives out there and all supporters and or anybody actually that helped campaign to get me back on Twitter. I owe everybody a massive thank you. So I was restored. Am I allowed to mention the word Tommy Robinson? Because it's related to the story, but apparently if you're on chat on Tribe, I'm not allowed to say the word Tommy because... Uh, uh, I'm only allowed to mention his name when given permission, or I don't know what the rationale is, but please do let me know here on Tribe if you have a view. Uh, so Tommy Robinson and I restored to Twitter on the same day, which was also Guy Fawkes Day. I think that's symbolic. I think Elon was telling us to blow up Parliament. Let's take a listen to Elon Musk at a massive event in New York 
uh, where he basically lays it out really clearly. He accuses the companies that have joined an ad boycott of the site, formerly known as Twitter, of trying to blackmail him. He also apologised for any posts where he's shared that were seen as anti-Semitic. He said it was a really dumb thing to have done, and he said sorry to everybody. But as we all know, if you apologise or explain, it never gets you anywhere. Nobody ever accepts an apology because it's never enough. It's never on time. Let's have a listen to what Elon Musk had to say to the advertisers at his New York event. Let's take a listen to Elon. A lot of folks uh, called me up and said, you really, you're really going to host Elon Musk here? Can you believe what he just said on, on Twitter? Um, on what? On X. Uh, on yeah, X. yeah. Well, I um, no idea what this Twitter thing is you keep talking about. Should you platform him? That's what they said. Yeah. Should you platform him? And I said that I think that it's our role, and I know you have issues with journalists. I have a platform. Um, yeah. I, I know you have an issue with journalists uh, oftentimes, but I said it's our role to have conversations and to inquire and... Um, to and sometimes even interrogate ideas. And sure. that's, I, I'm hoping we can do that. So I want to start just so we can begin this conversation and just level set. Take us through everything that happened, if you could. Everything? No, over the past week and a half. How long have you got? We've, we're gonna, we're, we've got the time. Uh, um, tell, okay. You, you send out, a, you send out a, a post or an X or a tweet. Yeah, I don't know post, what you whatever, yeah. it as. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to change, like, when things were just 140 characters, it made sense to call them a tweet, because uh, it was like a bunch of little birds chirping, but when, you know, the point at which you can put, like, three-hour videos on, it's like, a, it's a very long tweet. So, so, so here we are. Post is more descriptive, I think. And at some point, I don't know where you were, but you write in responding to another tweet. Yes. Um, this is the actual truth, and it set off a firestorm of criticism all the way to the White House. Right. And then you make this trip to Israel. You have advertisers who've left the platform. People calling Well, the, the trip to Israel is independent of, of it wasn't some like uh, apology tour, I want to be clear. That was. Okay, it, well, let, let's talk about that. So just, but just take us back to the moment at which you write that. Trip to Israel is independent of, it wasn't okay. like in response to that at all. Well, let's do, we'll do Israel in just a moment. And I, I, I have no problem being hated, by the way. I hear Hate you. away. <laughs> well, but you know what? I, uh, let's go straight to that then for a second. Sure. Because there is an idea, and you could say that. I think you it's don't a real weakness about... to want to be liked. A real weakness. <laughs> and I, I do not have that. <laughs> I love. <laughs> it's just channeling things I've been saying for about twenty years. It's a real weakness to want to be liked. I do not have that. (laughs) He shouldn't want to be liked. I don't care about being hated. It's like, it's like my voice coming from someone else. Anybody who wants to silence me, anyone who wants to censor me, go F yourselves. (laughs) I love it. I love him coming out with this. I love the shock faces. I love the guy next to him that can't believe or understand what he's hearing. Like, how would someone say this? Then in the audience, um, you've got the Twitter CEO. I want to find her name. Hold on. I was licking my finger. (laughs) You thought I just had moderate paralysis of the mouth. Yeah. In the room with Mr. Musk was Linda Yaccarino, X's chief executive. 
<laughs> and she's been charged with trying to bring back advertisers to the platform. <laughs> it gives me so much joy that the guy, the woman he's employed to bring back advertisers to the platform is in the room in New York. He's up on the stage and, you know, they'll have had chats before and she'll have given him briefing notes and she'd be like, well, I'd be really grateful if you could emphasise this or this, or perhaps you could let these advertisers know that we're doing this for them or this. And he stands, he sits up there and he says to the people that want to bring down the platform, go F yourselves. <laughs> I just would, I wish they'd had a camera on the face of the CEO that was sat in that audience. That's what I would love, I would love, I would love. Um, so I also want to talk about one other quick story, if I may, before we get to the first commercial break. I'm not watching it, I'm a celebrity. Uh, are you watching it? Let me know, uh, tntradio.live. There's a chat there, you can go on it. <laughs> but apparently at the moment, you can only go on it if you're just gonna say rude things about me. But you know, one day we'll get tried back, hopefully. <laughs> so go to tntradio.live and have your say. Are you watching I'm a Celebrity? Get me out of here. Do you think that all TV is rubbish? But anyway, are you watching it? The point is that it's a reality TV show, one that I've done, um, although in a, quite a different phase of my life. And you basically just go, you sit sit in something that sort of manifests itself as being in the jungle. It quite clearly isn't. It's a film set. So you sit on a film set with a bunch of other celebrities, basically unknown people, and you talk about crap all. The one actual challenge of being in the jungle film set is there is actually no food. I thought it was kind of a ruse for the cameras and you would get fed. You don't. And I really don't function without food. Um, and the other thing is that when the film crew are in place behind the mountain that's built of concrete, you can smell their food. So I, I remember distinctly the smell of cheeseburgers coming from the jungle mountain, which is actually where the cameras are mounted. And the smell of the crew food was what drove me completely insane. But any which way, of course you stay till the end because you're paid to do a job and therefore you'll do the damn job, right? Oh, no. Not this lot. This lot are just quitting in droves. Grace Dent, whoever the hell she is, quit. And now Jamie Lynn Spears, Britney Spears's sister. I always think it's very dodgy if you're known or a celebrity or reality TV because you're the brother or sister of. So like Meghan Markle's brother was going into Celebrity Big Brother, I think, in Australia at the time, same time they brought me over before I was um, banned from the country. And then you have Britney Spears's sister, and then on TV, permanently, you have Meghan Markle's sister. What is it with these weird rellos? And why do they take the bait? Why don't they just say, no, you want me because I'm Britney's sister, I'm not coming. Anyway, if you do take the money, and if you do sign up to do a show, just bloody well do it. No? Just do what you said you were going to do. It's all. It would be much easier, wouldn't it, in life if everybody just did what the hell they said they were going to do. You know what I mean? Someone asks you to do something, you say yes, you just bloody well do it. Well, it seems like these people in the jungle can't last two minutes without having to have to cry their heads off and go home because of some medical issue, which generally means they couldn't hack it, which is utterly pathetic. Let me play you this clip from this tawdry episode of, I don't know, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And basically, this is Britney Spears's sister who took the money, agreed to go to the jungle, but has spent her entire time moaning about it and has now quit. Let's take a listen to Britney's sister. 
<laughs> it's like that little square shot was just me off. Better okay. than. So that piece of chocolate me off. <laughs> Who's on the phone? Oh, she's Jamie, Lynn, I think she's trying to get free time finally. I hate it here so much. I hate it here so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it here. This place is where people go to have the worst days of their lives. I think I've got to leave. I think I've got to leave. Just a friendly reminder of how much it sucks here. <laughs> You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> Just a friendly reminder of how much it sucks here. Oh my God, I hate this place. Oh, it's so hard. You're doing amazing, sweetie. No, you're not. You sat on your ass on a film set, on location, being paid. And all you can do is moan about it, cry about how you're missing your family. You've only been away a couple of weeks, bird. And now she's quit. What? What? Did people get weaker? more pathetic or was it just that by being a victim you get rewarded i mean i don't even know i don't even know my mother watches it what can i say when my mother puts on i'm a celebrity my father goes to bed i think he's a very wise man you know what we're going to do we're going to go quickly 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 to a commercial break and then we're going to come back and talk about the things we should have been talking about which is nottingham city council going bankrupt and i also want to talk about <laughs> Another story that I'm finding particularly amusing, uh, BBC Two is having to cut back because they don't have the funding anymore. But of course, the thing they're cutting back on is the stuff they should be doing more of, which is investigative journalism. Anyway, my darlings, let's go to a really short commercial break. And when we will come back, we will talk about Nottingham City Council in the UK filing effectively for bankruptcy. Go nowhere. My name is Katie Hopkins and this is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. 
we know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. We're rolling. It is my pleasure to present Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, my darlings, and we are back in the room together. Welcome to the tribe, returning, returning to the chat, tntradio.live. If you'd like to join our family on tribe, just go to tntradio.live and join the conversation. If you hit the little button that says chat, uh, then you can join your family in there. And I follow along with you here on my phone as I go uh, through the show. And then I do try to read out comments. Once we get people back making comments that I can read out that don't involve just... <laughs> <laughs> gratuitous male <laughs> nothingness um darlings another council goes bankrupt nottingham city council would you even believe um so a labor run council it doesn't really matter to me which political party you represent because they're all a bunch of idiots aren't they don't like any of them uh, labor run council has declared itself effectively bankrupt after it revealed it was set for a 23 million pound overspend in just one year. Nottingham City Council forecast a 57 million pound black hole in its 2023-2024 budget, which was partly mitigated by dipping into the reserves, reducing its spend by more than half to 23 million. So let me just try that with you again. Just listen to what is being said. Imagine this was you with your family budget, right? And just forget the millions thing. The council forecast a £57 million black hole. It doesn't matter if your family just pretend it's £57,000, whatever. A £57 million black hole in its budget. How does one city council have a black hole of 57 million pounds. How are you even, What? where is that money even going? Okay, so then they realized there was good, oh, oh, there's gonna be a black hole of 57 million. Oh, we've got a CEO, you've probably got a chief operating officer, you've got some dozy bint as head of human relations or HR, you've got a chief finance officer, you'll have non-execs on the board somewhere, you'll have some other, idiot from law like legal like if you think of a typical makeup of any board you've got all these individuals all of them will be being paid over 100,000 a year probably 150,000 a year what and none of them realized there was a 57 million pound black hole in the reserves and yet they all took their salaries they all took their bonuses they all took their holidays they all took their sick leave and none of them worried about the fact that one of them might have needed to tell jeffrey that they were overspending by 57 million. No, no one thought to mention it. No, okay, fine. So then they decided to reduce their spending by more than half to 23 million. I mean, what the hell were they spending 23 million quid on that they didn't need to for them to just to reduce it? Get this, 
Council Finance Boss Ross Brown issued a Section 114 notice after raising his fears that the council would not be able to deliver a balanced budget for this year. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. If you're 57 million quid in the red, it is unlikely that you're going to balance your bloody budget, is it, love? And now you've decided to issue a Section 114 notice, whatever the shit that bit of bureaucracy is, because you think that gets you off the hook. No, it doesn't. And none of this is good enough. In the private sector, if you ran a business like this, you would be gone because you'd have to be gone. It's not good enough to issue another bit of paperwork. All of this lot, all of these people on all of these councils need to be thrown out the door. They are not dependable. They're not reliable. They can't do their jobs. I don't even understand it. And they're still getting away with it. And they're still taking taxpayers' money, which is why, frankly, I've always held the same view that I do about people that work in the public sector. I held to a much lower bar than people that work in the private sector. Facts. Spitting facts. Right. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about um, is vegan universities. But first, BBC Two Newsnight. Do you watch Newsnight? Do you like Newsnight? The thing I like about BBC's Newsnight is that it does investigative journalism. Um, the one thing I, I cannot stand studio debates because I'm sick of studio debates because it's cheap TV, it's easy TV. And that's why you see so much of it. It's tawdry TV because you've got the same people just talking about the same points. Right. The thing I love about BBC Newsnight is they have regional reporters and they actually throw to them during the show. And there are actually people on the ground actually trying to tell the story of what might be going on. Of course, it's skewed. Of course, there's bias. And of course, it's BBC. So, you know, you can take it as you will. But at least, and there's a particular lady whose name I don't know. Please help me if you know. Um, in the north, I think she's the northeast correspondent. She does a terrific job. And she gets up into high rise apartments and speaks to mums. And she's on the street talking to a homeless person. And she's she's everywhere. She's everywhere reporting. Well, guess what? The BBC News and Current Affairs CEO, Deborah Turnus, has decided to cut because of a tough financial climate and some difficult choices have to be made, a.k.a. we're not being funded as much at the BBC anymore because people aren't paying their licence fee because they've realised it's actually extortion of ordinary British people and because people are so sick of the BBC and it's biased, we're not paying it anymore, including me. She's had to make some difficult choices and so they have cut. Guess what things they've cut? Do you think they have cut... Uh, people gobbing off in studio with points that you've heard before, probably seen report, reported on other channels, heard it on a radio show, heard it on a Jeremy Vine show in the morning, then seen the same person on the BBC News and then seen the same person on Piers Morgan. Do you think they've cut that bit? Or do you think they've cut the investigative journalist who are actually trying to tell real stories from ordinary people on the street? Oh, yes. They've cut... Um, the investigative journalists, they've cut regional reports um, and they've cut the amount of time they'll be on air. No bad thing. Um, they've the, So the long running show will lose its dedicated reporters. And that's the way all of this is going. And this is the this is the crime of laziness that's in journalism and the media at the moment. Nobody wants to be doing the hard stuff on the road. Nobody wants to be out there on the streets because it's knackering and it's tiring and it's 
filled with delays and people getting in your way. And no one wants to scrape themselves along the sidewalks or the pavements to try and look and tell the truth. Everybody just wants to sit on their sofa or sit on their ass and just report stuff that they might have read or seen on Twitter or give second or third hand views on the same old crap. And that's why we've lost the art of understanding what's going on in the world, because we have the same old talking head spouting the same old crap every day. It's why people think that their opinion matters so much, including mine doesn't matter, on Israel or Gaza. Just because we can have a view doesn't mean we're bloody changing anything if we're not out there on the roads. Okay, I've kind of gone off on one. I want to talk about, I'm looking at time as well, why does our, our time always go so fast? Nothing's changed in a month other than our time still goes as quickly as it ever did. I want to talk about vegan universities, and there is a reason for that, which I'll get back to at the end of the show. But you may have seen, if you're in the UK, um, I don't know if you know where there's a little place called Warwick. It's spelt Warwick. So if you're talking to an American, they'll go, ah, oh, we stayed in a great little place called Warwick. <laughs> like Loughborough. <laughs> Students at the University of Warwick backed a motion forcing, key point, forcing union-run catering outlets to adopt plant-based menus with three now required to do so by 2027. So they're bringing it in in stages. At the University of Warwick, you will no longer be able to eat meat or drink milk or have any dairy products. And by 2027, all um, of the university-run outlets, yes, on campus have to be completely plant-based, no milk or dairy products. Now get this, and what we'll do is play the clip and then I want to talk about some of the, the numbers who managed to create this ban at Warwick University versus the numbers of actual students on the campus. So let's take a little listen to this clip about Warwick University forcing veganism on the whole population of the university there. Take a listen to this. Chris Packham, George Monbiot and Dr. Joseph Paul are some of over 600 academics and notable figures who have signed the plant-based university's open letter that has just been sent to university vice-chancellors, catering managers and students' union presidents all across the country. The letter calls on institutions to transition to 100% just and sustainable plant-based catering in order to tackle the climate and nature crises. We're in a crucial period for the future of all life on Earth and the decisions we make now will shape the future of humanity and the natural world. Our young people, many of whom study at these institutions, deserve to know that their universities are actively working to create a future for them to graduate into. Since its inception, the student-led campaign has achieved landmark votes towards a fully plant-based transition at seven UK universities, including the universities of Cambridge and Stirling. This summer, we've been training dozens of students to join the campaign and help universities make the common sense switch to just and sustainable plant-based catering, which will benefit students, food producers and animals alike. Our universities have for centuries been shining lights of intellectual, scientific and moral progress. What we are asking for here is no different. We truly believe in the power of people to come together and make positive change. And we are asking universities to step up and be part of building a better, kinder and safer world. So these moves to make universities plant-based are being forced through by these knobbers that you just heard from. The minute you hear the, the word George Monbiot, you hear that anywhere, that should be, it's like a little ding, right? That's like a little trigger going off for you. If you hear the word George Monbiot, you know that someone, someone's being a massive dick, right? That's just how that works. 
George Monbiot, ting, massive dick at work. And so it's true. He's part of this kind of campaign group. There's 600 people who've signed a letter. Always know that these letters are always on file. The letters are always ready to go. The letters, it doesn't matter what they're going to put into the letter. Those signatories are always there. It's how these pressure groups work. So they are pressurizing people to just be vegan at universities so that they can indoctrinate young people into not eating meat, into not taking dairy, so that they can get rid of farmers from the land because that's what the New World Order wants, right? That's what the WEF puppets want us to be doing. And the WEF controllers is the idea is that we don't have farming anymore. We don't have access to meat because the useless meat eaters shouldn't be allowed to use up so much resources for themselves. Only the super elite will dine from cows in the future. Anyway, so the move pushed through by the campaign group that I just played to you, plant-based universities, has ignited fury. I haven't heard much fury. Um. So just 774 students, 2.7% of the 28,600 strong campus were behind the plan. 516 voted against it. So, but of the voting population, so the students that voted on this, so maybe they were aware that the vote was happening or they found out it was happening or they thought it wasn't going to happen or they didn't care about it or they weren't informed about it, whatever. So a total of 1,472 students voted and just 774 wanted it to be a plant-based university. But because they've got the backing of the pressure group and because they've got the ting idiot George Monbiot and those who are pushing through the WEF agenda, this has passed. So 774 students have decided what 28,600 students can eat at their university. And have decided that 28,600 students will not be allowed to have meat or dairy. And there's a particular phrase in this report that I wanted to read. This is, this is really telling of the kind of um, mentality, right, of these weirdos. So this guy, he's a spokesman for, let me just get it. A, sm a, a smokesman? A smokesman. I don't know what he's been smoking, but whatever. A spokesman for plant-based universities. I mean, who even the hell? What even is a spokesperson for plant-based universities? Why is there even a spokesperson for plant-based universities? And what job is that? Imagine someone asking you, what do you do for a living? And you say, I'm a spokesperson for plant-based universities. I have to say, don't come near me in the street, you know? Don't come near me because truly, you say to me in the street, I'm a spokesperson for plant-based universities. And right now, the kind of mood I'm carrying, I will punch you square in the face. Like if, you're, if you've got that written on a business card, shame on you. You can shove that business card up your ass. It's, I mean, how is it even printed? Is it printed on paper? I mean, Christ, I hope it's recycled. I'm, and no doubt you've knitted it. Have you knitted your own business card from your own bloody recycled Birkenstocks? Probably absolute turnips, all the lot of them. Get this. So the spokesperson said, they added, they added, students were not prohibited or banned from bringing their own food, including meat and dairy, to the university. 
so to them that they think that is a reasonable thing to say they think it is reasonable to say oh but don't worry don't worry darlings don't worry suck on a cashew you're not prohibited or banned from bringing your own food to uni lord what world do we live in where someone thinks they're speaking rationally when they're saying they haven't banned students from bringing their own friggin sausages onto campus i mean god help us all if if the the worst things i did at university involved you know all i can tell you is i'm just glad there was never video back in the day i mean there are some things that i did at university i i'm pretty proud of them all honestly but they involved much more than a bloody you know cucumber and it was back in the day it was epic stuff that should have been banned back then that we still did anyway was proper there were hard drugs there were soft drugs there were rooms full of naked people there were people having fun all over the place do you know there were white men there were black men there were men in between there was a lot and now now the worst thing you can do if you're a student is bring a friggin sausage on campus i mean oh we'll return to this at the very uh, end of the show because i have an update for you about where i'm headed to today i may have only been at my home address for 24 hours i may have only slept for one hour but i am going back on the road today because that's the fight we're in good people if i'm sat here on my ass i am not doing my job but please if you're a student out there we used to smuggle drugs you're going to now need to start smuggling pork or beef or milk onto campus and all i can say is that i'm sorry i'm sorry that generations of grown ass adults who don't know what fun is have completely screwed you over and i'm doing my damnedest my darlings to bring back the fun that's all i can tell you we have to go to a short commercial break and doubtedly we'll be listening to the weather cuz it's the only weather you've got and when we come back we're going to take the piss out of cop28 the climate change summit where the arabs are trying to sell oil to people who are supposed to be there to save the planet you couldn't even make it up go nowhere good people my name is katie hopkins and this is tnt radio with his expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. While the fiery images of mostly peaceful protests coming out of central Dublin over the weekend were disturbing, and although no one condones arson, property damage, and violence against police, it was good to see the Irish finally get their Irish up and direct their ire where it properly belongs, against their own government, which has been selling out the Irish people for decades now. What triggered the upheaval? the stabbing of a young woman and two little children, including a five-year-old girl who is still in hospital with life-threatening injuries by a Muslim maniac who was, you guessed it, known to police. The Garda disarmed the man just last month after finding him with an illegal knife. They knew he was a problem and they did nothing to stop these attacks. Ireland is actively promoting its own destruction. It is committing suicide in exactly the same way the United Kingdom committed social suicide. The number one name for new boys in Galway last year, Mohammed for the first time ever. Ireland needs to get a hold of the fact that the enemy is within the gates and their own government are the ones that have opened the doors. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. 
When a crisis hits, close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve, healing, nurturing, rescuing, protecting, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations has never been more important, and it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you, the Nonprofit Alliance. Katie Hopkins on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right, so you know the um, climate change bollocks that we live amongst, right? I, I should just ask that studio's just been asking me if uh, meat smuggling <laughs> is a euphemism. <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that. We know about my past, many sexual ir- irregularities that have been closely documented by the world's media, of which I'm ashamed of none. I will say also to any young people, do we have any women on the chat? God bless them if they're back. Please be back. Oh, hurrah. Well done. Grumpy old woman. Yes, is back. Yes, we're back. Lisa's back. Thank God. Spyro Gyro. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And God bless. We've got some women back on chat. Phew. Don't know what happened in my absence. Could it be that a nearly all male lineup and a nearly all male team at TNT has meant that everything's gone very male and very obscure and dark? Oh, perhaps it could. Welcome back to TNT Radio. Thank you, girls, for bringing back. Thank you for bringing the hearts back, the applause back, the fun back. Hope and optimism always wins out in the end, my darlings. And that's why you need women in the room, something that TNT are just waking up to, apparently. But anyway, COP28, the climate change bullshit. You know that they're just about to have another summit, don't you? COP28, and it's being hosted by the UAE because these days everything is hosted by the UAE. Tell me something that we're having and it'll be hosted by the UAE. Is it golf? Oh, the Saudis have bought it. Is it football? Oh, the Saudis have bought it. Is it the climate conversation? Oh, the Saudis have bought it. Is it half of Australia? Oh, the Saudis have bought it. Half of South Africa? The Saudis have bought it. All the Chinese and the governments have sold it from under your feet. But let's not go there right now. This is joy. This is genius. This is brilliant. Because the climate twats have allowed UAE to buy up climate as well and the climate conversation. And what do you think has happened around the climate conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, the Saudis have taken COP28 and they've decided to use it to sell oil and gas. <laughs> The UAE plan to use its role (laughs) as the host of UN climate talks as an opportunity to strike oil and gas deals. (laughs) I love this story so much. I love it so much. I love that the greenies are out. You could put, you can take sausages off campus all you want, you sad little bunch of impotent people with your shriveled members. Mm. You can try and take dairy. I've just bred a farmer, huh? One of my offspring works on a farm. You know what I'm saying? I go down a farm down the road just to help out because. It's good for my soul. You can make people plant-based all you want, you suckers. 
but ultimately you're going to get screwed over because life happens. And in the UAE, I finally found some Arabs I can love because they are screwing over the climate summit and they are using it to push oil deals through. Let's take a listen to this clip. I think it was made by people who are outraged. Therefore, we won't listen to all of it because we don't need to hear from people that really have no relevance in our lives. But just to give you a flavor of the outrage, take a listen to this. 2023 is on target to be the hottest year on record. Climate catastrophes are only increasing in number and intensity. Canada saw the worst wildfire season ever, 14 million hectares burned. And yet expectations for serious climate action in Dubai are under a cloud just two days before this year's COP28 summit begins. Can the world cut the emissions in half? As head of this year's climate talks, the CEO of the United Arab Emirates National Oil Company, Sultan Al Jaber, has tried to reassure participants he's serious about climate change. I uh, want everyone to know that we have the full political will to support a successful uh, COP28. Skepticism among climate advocates has turned to serious mistrust after leaked documents suggested the UAE <laughs> is using the gathering to promote oil and gas deals around the world. It is completely inappropriate for countries to use their presidency roles to be pushing private deals. And it is egregious when the deals that they're pushing are for fossil fuel expansion projects the documents okay obtained by we, the could, Center for Climate we could lose this now did you get and it is a yes did you hear how high her voice got this should have not been used to purge fossil fuel oh my god and it is I just love it. Leaked briefing documents reveal plans to discuss fossil fuel deals with 15 nations. Come on. So the dude, I'm going to try, I don't know if this really works, but um, have a look for him. The dude running this, he's now, you need him as your pinup, you need him on your fridge, uh, everywhere you go. Um, uh, just look for him, Sultan Al Jabba. He's <laughs> what he's called. <laughs> so, Sultan Al Jabba, Jabba the Hutt. He's a genius. I love him. So fossil fuel deals, uh, 15 companies, they've got talking points such as one for China, which says the UAE state oil company is willing to jointly evaluate in international liquid, na liquefied natural gas opportunities. <laughs> Let me try and read that with some coherency. A talking point for China, which says they are willing to jointly evaluate international liquefied natural, natural gas opportunities. Still managed to cock that up. And um, then uh, documents suggest telling the Colombian minister that ADNOC stands ready to support Colombia to develop its fossil fuel resources. <laughs> and there are talking points for 13 other countries, including Germany and Egypt, which suggests telling them ADNOC wants to work with their governments to develop fossil fuel projects. <laughs> it's egregious. It's important that this country is doing this when it's supposed to be sorting out the climate. And instead, they've got meetings going on in back rooms, which are sorting out how to pump more oil and gas into the atmosphere. 
Ah, just about made my day. I have other good news for you as well. Do not tell me this is not a good news show. Do not tell me this is not the place for laughter. And do not tell me we do not find the uplift, more good news, uh, this time coming out of New Zealand. So you know the idiots in New Zealand. So Jacinda Ardern. That's great, isn't it? Ardern. Yes, I've caught a horse face for so long. And bear in mind that I was called, I am called horse face all the time. I saw I was doing a comedy roast in, um, where was I? West Palm Beach in Florida. And so I was on stage, a panel of, uh, so it was about five or six guys, I guess, well-known comedians from the circuit in America and then me. And if you know what a comedy roast is, you basically go up and you just rip each other to pieces, but it's done in a, you know, it's it's done in a professional stand-up way. So there is scripting and you put effort in. But essentially, I have to say, the, the bigger the roast I got, or the most roasting I got was about the fact that I looked like a horse, that I could have been one of the Queen's horse uh, horses pulling her coffin at the funeral. This is American sense of humour, what can I say? Or that I was definitely trans. <laughs> but the point, rolling back on this story and my comedy roast on stage in America, is that Jacinda Ardern was possibly the one woman on the face of the planet who looked more like a horse than even I did, which I think came back to her teeth. And you'll know if you know this show that I used to get yelled at at the Royal Military Academy for having, what did they used to shout? Hopkins could eat and eat an apple through a tennis racket with those teeth. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is Jacinda Ardern, the horse face one from New Zealand, tried to bring in a smoking ban so that if you were aged, someone correct me, I'm going to say... Anyone born after 2008 would be banned from ever buying any tobacco product. But brilliantly, Jacinda Ardern got swept away with a tough broom. A private sector businessman is now leading a coalition in New Zealand, Christopher Luxon. He recognised that this was a daft ass policy. He's got rid of it. He said it was an opportunity for a black market to emerge, which would be largely untaxed. They can't afford to miss out on the tax that they would have got from cigarettes. And if they've learned nothing from the past, it's that you will just have a black market take over. And there is a brilliant example, which I am, my, my homework to tribe is please, please, please uh, engage yourself with the stories of the Kingdom of Bhutan, right? B-H-U-T-A-N. So the Kingdom of Bhutan, my understanding is it's tiny. I need to do some research on this. It banned tobacco sales in 2004, right? So the Kingdom of Bhutan had a tiny, tiny, tiny smoking rate. And in 2004, someone decided to ban smoking from the Kingdom of Bhutan, right? 15 years later, 22% of Bhutanese 13 to 15-year-olds smoked. Amongst this age group, cigarette smoking increased continuously from 2009 to 2019. And then in 2021, the Kingdom of Bhutan lifted the uh, ban on tobacco because smuggling tobacco into Bhutan worried the government that the illegal uh, smugglers were spreading COVID-19. So because they banned tobacco in a country where virtually no one smoked, 
everybody started smoking tobacco. The black market industry was worth, I don't know the correct amount, which is very poor by me. Hold on, a thriving black market. I don't have the figure for you. And then they even had to reinstate smoking as a legal enterprise because they were worried that the smugglers were bringing COVID-19 into the kingdom of Bhutan. <laughs> I just love it. 22% of 13-year-olds were smoking. That's how badly that policy went. And yet, horse-faced Jacinda Ardern still thought it would be a great idea to bring that in. And then you have Rishi Sunak wanting to copy New Zealand because he's a WEF puppet and now realising that he's out on his own because a sensible conservative coalition in New Zealand have just got rid of it because prohibition is never a good thing. Darlings, we're running towards the end of the show, aren't we? Thank you for returning to Tribe. Uh, thank you, my darlings, for what you're doing. Uh, do come back to us at TNT Radio and join the conversation once more. We need to elevate to positivity. After today, I go back on the road again, my loves, and I am headed to Oxford University. Let me read you the headline. Mm-mm-mm. Katie Hopkins is speaking at the Oxford Union this term and shock. No one wants her. Oh, hold on. Is that my heart breaking? Oh, oh, no. Hold on. Is that me? Oh, uh, oh, is that me wanting to be liked? Oh, oh, no. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's me not giving a single shiny shit. Katie Hopkins is speaking at the Oxford Union this term and no one wants her. Well, I say, I am headed to the Oxford Union, uh, the oldest debating chamber in the whole of the UK and certainly in the whole of the prestigious universities. Tonight is its ultra super prestigious event because it's their bicentennial debate, 200 years of being the greatest debating chamber and the uh, founding of old great prime ministers before the modern era where all prime ministers were crap and belonged to the World Economic Forum. And I will be there tonight debating why this house should not be vegan. So to all the plant-based universities and George Monbiot and his mob, uh, I say all eyes in, my darling, to the Oxford Union tonight, where I will be on my feet in front of the nation's next leaders. I will win the vote that says we will not be going plant-based at Oxford University, where we teach the next gen, and we will be eating meat together. And I will be there. There are a small group of protesters, I certainly hope, many of them, and I've encouraged them, and I will encourage them throughout the day today to glue themselves to the floor of the debating chamber by their nipple hair. Because quite frankly, the more of them that glue themselves to the floor of the debating chamber by their nipple hair, the fewer we have to worry about out on the streets. And as you will know, I am a big advocate of when these bastards glue themselves to something, don't release them, leave them there. Leave them there to fester in a pile of their own piss, shit and vomit, because that is the perfect place to put those sort of people. And I very much look forward to standing up in front of these students who write headlines that Katie Hopkins is coming and no one wants her and to humiliate them all with their lack of creativity, their lack of intellect and their lack of argument. And so that will be me tonight, headed out into Oxford. Protesters, prepare yourself, get your glue ready, glue yourself to everything you can. And um, so tomorrow I will bring you the show from the road somewhere in Oxford and I can update you about our spectacular win at the Oxford Union 
bicentennial debates and why I am bringing the fight back for meat eaters, red-blooded men who can actually do things like get an erection. And it's why actually there's hope for humanity because just eating plants reduces your sperm levels. So if Darwin was right, then really, darlings, it's only going to be the meat eaters that prevail. And that truly is a glorious thing. I'll see you same time tomorrow. My name is Katie Hopkins and this is TNT Radio. Radio.